it feels like, well, if I just don't ever succeed, then I don't ever fail as big. Like the bigger the success, the bigger the failure. So just be really, really small. Hello and welcome to the Money Makers podcast. I'm Ray Dodd and I help people like you unravel your conditioning and master the skill of money making. So much of traditional business coaching leaves the blame for what's not working in your business, where you're not making money solely at your feet. But I don't believe that any of this stuff happens in a vacuum. So join me, listen to this podcast, listen to all the episodes of the podcast where we will be moment by moment unraveling that conditioning and freeing you up to earn money in ways that work for you. welcome to another episode of Money Makers. This is one of my increasingly becoming one of my favorite things to do. And that is doing these episodes with wonderful humans who are going to be coached by me for, I don't know how long. We'll see. We'll see what goes on. Not hours. Don't worry. It'll be, it'll be under, but to kind of get to a place of the idea is you have one insight, one realization, one moment of oh, that's what's going on there. And so I say every time I introduce these, these could, this could be five minutes, this could be 45 minutes, we'll, we will see. So today we've got the wonderful Jolie. Jolie, could you introduce um, yourself and tell us what you do and who you are a little bit? Yeah. Hi, I'm Jolie. I am a, well, the term I'm going with at the moment is self-belief coach, but depending on when this comes out, I might have changed my mind by then. <laughs> I, like to, I like to mix it up. Can't stick me in a box. So basically I work with overwhelmed perfectionists to help them get to the root of these behaviors and to start living a life by their own rules. So yeah, I work a lot with creatives and people who run their own business and we have a lot of fun. Nice. So do you want to tell us what your kind of question that you're coming with today is? Yeah. Yeah. So my biggest obstacle at the moment is just the showing up, (laughs) the showing up and talking about my coaching work, talking about my offers. I find it really difficult to show up on Instagram to it's February. When we're recording this, it's February 2nd. I've had a draft of a newsletter sat in my Google docs for over a month that I have every week. I'm like, I'm going to send out my newsletter. So, and every week I don't. And so my question, what I have realized through work that I have done on my own and with coaches is that at the root of all of it is actually just this fear of things going well. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified by the idea of success sometimes. And so I don't know if it's a question or more just like a cry for help. How (laughs) do I get over like a fear of success, which seems like it should not be a problem. It, It seems like success should be what I want. But I've realized, unfortunately, it terrifies me. I guess the first question, and we were just chatting briefly before we came on and I said, Jodie, like, Jodie was like, I think I might be the only person. I was like, no, I promise you're not the only person who feels this, this like fear of success. And I don't think it's talked about enough. So I'm really glad you've come with this question. What do you imagine success will feel like? I imagine success will feel like juggling 100 balls and I can't drop a single one. That just like pure utter terror that the more things go well, the more I have to keep them going well. And that will require something of me that I'm not capable of and it will all fall apart. And when it falls apart, 
it will fall apart harder and deeper than it has ever fallen apart before. And I will be crushed. No wonder you don't want it. My God. <laughs> no, like really sensible with that's the like thing yeah. playing out in your head. And is that, have you got an example of where this has happened in the past? Like, is there concrete stuff or is this more of a like abstract fit? Yeah. So what I actually realized last time we worked together in plenty was yeah. I think I didn't realize how much it affected me. And I, I don't know why I'm like, I realized it, it shouldn't affect me anymore. But I basically went to a very, very, very good university straight out of high school that no one thought I would get into. And, and I did. And then I was not able to handle just everything. I, I don't want to criticize myself and say I wasn't able to handle the workload. It was everything it was being away from my parents. Like there's just the structure suddenly not having to like go to class. I was like, Oh, I don't have to go to class. There's no consequences. So just the whole thing of university. I'm laughing because me too. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing of university came just crashing down and I ended up dropping out because I failed my classes. And I had, I was a straight A student, never I got like one B in my life and was like, never again. And so to fail a class to was just like, I couldn't recover from it. And I mm. think that was actually my biggest problem is that as soon as I failed, like I just basically gave up. I, I, I just couldn't come back from that mentally. Mm. I didn't know. I was just like, well, I obviously am stupid. So the only solution is to drop out. Um, so that was like my, my, <laughs> My moment of epic failure where I wanted to work for NASA and be an astrophysicist. Mm. And then I was like, cool, I can't do that. I have like crashed and burned. And so I left the country and that's why I moved to England and, and did university over here. And in hindsight, it was a great decision. Like, I actually don't think what I was doing and where I was, was a good fit. I don't think I would have been happy, but yeah, that's, that's like my so uh, the evidence that I have is like, actually, it was okay. Right. I, I know the feeling of just like crushing defeat. I also, I like, I have no answer to this particularly. I just find it interesting because what you've described there is kind of more, I would put it more in the, and I'm going to do inverted commas, failure bracket hmm. than the success. But it was a feeling that you couldn't handle success and it would lead to failure. I think the success, the way I kind of, I guess have compartmentalized it or rationalized it is like the success. Like I had gotten my dream, like going mm. into the school was the dream. Like that was the big success. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't handle like being at that top level. Mm. I was definitely like bottom of the barrel in terms of like skill level. Like, yeah. Do you think you really were, or do you think it just wasn't like a good fit? Okay. So like logically, I I genuinely think I was, let's just say the least prepared for, I, these kids came from schools where Mm. they took eight advanced placement classes, where they did robotics, where they did coding, where they were, they were very privileged, like, Mm. and very wealthy kids. And, and I was the public student who like, definitely had like the lowest SAT score getting in there. Definitely Mm -hmm. had like the least just qualifications on my, I don't know what my recruiter saw in me that they were like, Mm. yes, you'll fit in. But I, 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 I was at a disadvantage in a lot of different ways, 
And also I didn't know how to ask for help. So like there were, those were the two, the two yes. problems. And I'm sh- I'm sure you've thought of this before, but um, like if you had been in one of those schools, your SAT scores would probably have been higher because you, a lot of those people will have private tutoring and, you know, all of that sort of stuff alongside that. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. it's a kind of, like I just kind of want to expand a little bit the idea that like you didn't do well because you were like, I'm trying to think of the word. I want to be really careful to echo your words and not put any other words in your head. But like you weren't, you know, I'm going to put in very commas again, clever enough. Yeah. But actually, like you've just said, you didn't have loads of the resources they had. Yeah, that's interesting. I actually never really thought of it that way. I, I never thought of like, oh, what, how would I have excelled if I had the same background as them? I was just like, well, I'm just not smart enough to have the same background as them like if I was smart enough I would have taken robotics classes on my own I don't know what I expect of myself <laughs> but exactly like it's just a whole different I mean just a, it's a massive thing they had a whole different setup they and also I think they're like you know in a way it's kind of like pedigree horses being like pre- prepped all the time for that kind of was it is it does it count as Ivy League knowing nothing about it does yeah it? yeah you could call it pretty that, much yeah. like that's like the thing isn't it that's yeah. where they're going yeah. And I presume it wasn't so much your experience growing up. No, no one, like genuinely no one thought I would get in. We were just right. like, none of my teachers thought I would get in really. It just because it's not, it wasn't a reflection of me, just half of a percent of the students who apply get in. Like it was ridiculously yeah. competitive and it was just like, oh, Jolie, you probably are not going to get in. Like, yeah. But I did. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. I do wonder what that recruiter saw. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not in a like, I wonder what they saw. I mean, like, I wonder what they saw. This is a weird thing. I, <laughs> I can feel free to edit this out. It's I don't know how applicable it is. At that point in my life, people saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm-hmm. So like I was because I was valedictorian, um, which so I finished top of my class. journalist interviewed every valedictorian from the schools mm-hmm. in our state. We live in a very small state. This was like not that many valedictorians. And you all went in like the, the Sunday paper. There was a yeah. big like the valedictorians of the 2004. So anyways, the person, the reporter who came to interview me, it was supposed to just be a nothing interview. It's supposed to just be like, I don't know, a handful of questions. You get like a paragraph. I got a two page spread. Like he was so interested in me that like he came back and interviewed me. He interviewed my parents. He like shadowed me on a volunteer placement I was doing. Like he, I don't know what he saw in me. I remember him being surprised that like, I didn't have like a TV. I didn't have a phone. Like I wasn't into like anything the other kids were in. And he was just really interested in me. And so all I can think is that the recruiter for mm. the school, when I had to do my interview, she must have seen something, something similar in me that was like, this person has potential or this person is, I don't know, a breath of fresh air is the word that comes to mind. Mm. Do you think that's still, do, are you aware of that in yourself? And don't worry about what, you know, seeming. Yeah. I'm honestly no so like I'm aware that other people will describe me in a certain way I'm Mm -hmm. aware that other people describe me you know the lighthouse beam of light Mm. sunlight like those are words that people who don't know each other will just independently use to describe me Mm. I'm aware that other people (laughs) seem to like me in some way I I 
could not tell you like why, or I always feel like I wish I could just see myself as everyone else sees me because mm. I just see myself honestly sometimes pretty negatively. Mm. But you know that that keep that's cropped up across your life. People responding to you, yeah, in a way that maybe you don't fully understand. Like you don't quite see it that way. Yeah, and and honestly, I think that's part. If we talk about like fear of success, I think that's part of it because. I just think, how can I ever, I can't live up to like, like, I'm going to disappoint everyone. Like, if you think you like me, I'm like, yeah, but you like me for like 30 minutes and then you will find out something terrible. You'll find out all of my bad traits and then, and then you won't like me anymore. And then I would rather just not believe that you like me. I'm only slightly chuckling because I feel like you were in my therapy session yesterday. (laughs) I'm like, I, what's going on? (laughs) So. I'll take that like no more projecting from me it's about you Jolie (laughs) so I this is so so there's a few things there's a few things here that I want to kind of draw on because I feel like we've got almost they seem like two separate things but I don't think they are so the first bit I would say on one hand we're talking about avoiding success but I wonder if the fear is actually that the success leads to a failure which means you're still avoiding failure. Yeah, actually, I can see that. I Because as soon as you said that, I was like, well, of course, because failure is inevitable. Right. <laughs> you, you can't yeah. succeed forever. You will fail. Yeah. And so it feels like, well, if I just don't ever succeed, then I can, then I don't ever fail as big. Like the bigger the success, the bigger the failure. So just don't, just be really, really small. And but then, you also said, I'm good at failure. I'm not scared of that. I can do that. Yeah. So can you tell can you tell me like yes. let's get into that a bit about what is the difference in this other form of failure, or is it just a kind of disconnect? I would say I'm comfortable with let me think how how I wanna how I want to verbalize this. I'm comfortable with the discomfort of like feeling like a shitty person of Mm. feeling like I haven't accomplished my goals. I'm comfortable with the story that I'm a quitter, that I never follow through. I, I feel like I'm comfortable with that where I feel like I'm, uncomfortable or where I'm avoidant is getting my hopes up. So like that success will be like, I will start to believe it. That's what I think I'm really worried about is I will start to believe the hype. I will start to believe my own hype. I will start to believe like, ah, you are capable of things. Like you are, you are like good things are possible for you. And then I will find out that they aren't. Mm -hmm. And I will, I will just like, collapse like that will be off like just that feeling of it being ripped away from you of and you'll be like well I was stupid forever believing that here's what I'm hearing it sounds like I'm comfortable with the failure I can control I can keep perpetuating that kind of failure that I know and that I I've kind of knitted into being a part of me it's part of my almost part of your identity where you said like I'm comfortable being a quitter like I am a quitter that kind of Mm. thing But this idea that I could step out of that familiar failure and chance a different kind 
probably very much echoing the and I don't use this word lightly but the trauma of dropping out of all of that stuff that would have happened and the way that felt like I would imagine it was ripped from under you this like oh my god I don't think I can do it and all of that you know and I think we have to look very heavily from a systemic point of view at the lack of support you had there to get like you know bring in the kid from the different kind of school but don't give them the support so that it's an equitable situation but aside from that so I just wonder if there is this this sense of failure you can control and the sense of failure that you can't control that's much more intimidating yeah 100 percent. and how does it feel to look at it in that way I don't think I I as much as I have connected the dots I don't think I really connected the dots that um not succeeding at school that's what it feels like like Jolie was such an idiot forever thinking she could go to this school. Like, of course you couldn't go to the school. No one thought you could go to the school. You should have just yeah. listened and you yeah. should have just played it safe. Um, like, yeah. And so then I'm like, cool. Well, I'll just never dream big again. Cause I dreamed big once and I don't like the way that turned out. Yeah. And so I'll just not dream big again. And it was like, you put it so well, like you, you've said a few times, like, what if I, let myself believe that and it gets pulled away from me and that's exactly what happened it's that thing the way that various experiences in our lives they happen um a long time ago but they echo in the here and now they might be in the past but the ripples of them we still get waves of that experience and we can become incredibly uh, skilled and nimble at keeping ourselves safe from that event happening again and it's often why it's quite a I think it's really interesting you said about the newsletter like I'm going to send that newsletter and often stuff like it's quite a shutdown quite a like nope that's a risk that's a risk I cannot take yeah so how would it feel do you feel like there's any spaces in which like no no I know the question I want to ask here it is what would you say to were you 19 when that stuff happened? So if you could go back after sort of realising this stuff that we've talked about just now, if you could go back to 19-year-old Jolie, what did she need someone to say to her? It's a really good question. Well, first of all, I think she needs someone to say to her, like, it's okay. Like, yes. you, It's okay. You can pick this back up if you want. I think mm-hmm. I felt like I, so I, I, in my first semester, I failed two classes and one of them I will still maintain was unfairly because I got a D, which is not a failure, failure, not a failing mm-hmm. grade, but we were on a pass, no fail system. And to get a pass, you had to have a C, which I think is stupid. But anyways, I felt like I was behind already. I had failed two classes. I had to re- resit two classes. I'm paying $40,000 a year just for tuition, never mind my dorm. And I just felt like I was, I could never come back from it. Like Mm. that I had no choice. Like, yeah, I just felt like I had no choice but to drop out that. How could I, how could I come back from failing two classes? So I think I need to, first of all, someone just be like, it's okay. You failed a class. Like you're not the only one who failed. I think a third of my physics class failed. It was hard. Um, so it's, it was okay. Like it was okay to fail. You can come back from this if you want. You're not a failure. Mm-hmm. But I think I needed someone to also just look at me and be like, is this what you want? Mm. Like, uh, why are you here? 
And what do you, is this what you really want? Because the classes that I got A's in at my math and science school, I got an A in English and I got an A in my philosophy class. My teachers <laughs> loved me in those, in both of those classes. Mm. I had great relationships with my teachers. I loved doing the work. What I failed was physics <laughs> and chemistry. Physics and chemistry did me in. So I think I just needed someone to like help me and just be like, what, what do you, what do you really want? Why, why, why are you here? Like, are you here because you're proving something to the world? But yeah, I think just ultimately just a hug and being like, it's okay, whatever, whatever you want to do from here. It's okay. You've got this. And I wonder as well, if they, if you could have done with someone just really seeing you, like really seeing like, actually, I know that you, you know, you've got into this amazing school and we're all so excited or we know that you're this magnetic person and that makes, that means that you get these opportunities. But like you say, sometimes I think when people have big energy or like a, it's not even about a big personality, it's a big energy to somebody. I don't, I think you get this and I get this where sometimes people are intimidated. Like I've told this story a few times, but I once went for Reiki and somebody went, this, the person did everything went, oh my God, your aura is so intimidating. <laughs> I was like, I've just walked in the room. Okay, thank you. Nice to meet you. But I think that's an, an experience. Obviously, that's a very like funny example of it, but that's an experience that people who have that will yeah. kind of identify with. And sometimes people mistake that for like, you know, you might get an opportunity, but like you say, it's very easy to get dragged along into that, that opportunity rather than doing what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me sad for my teenage self. So I Mm. actually would have been just turned 18 when my year there and I had no support. Like there was no one who would have noticed that I disappeared because I basically, I, I got in a really bad pattern. (laughs) Actually I worked, I I worked at the museum and I, and I ended up (laughs) I started out and it was just supposed to be like a Saturday and Sunday afternoon thing. And by my end of my one year there, I was like running the museum on a Monday, taking on all this responsibility and was loving it and thriving it, thriving there. But I had gotten to a really bad cycle where basically I was sleeping in and missing my morning classes and then staying up all night. And it was just a really bad, I I was depressed. I didn't have a roommate. I had picked the dorm where you didn't have to have roommates because I was nervous about Mm-hmm. sharing a room with someone. So like no one noticed. I like yeah. genuinely no one noticed that I wasn't present with mm. anything. And I wish we had student advisors who were supposed to mentor a group of like 13 students, 13 freshmen. To, they were supposed to mentor you for your first semester there to like, they were supposed to meet with you every week. They were supposed to like have base buy you dinner. So like we would have pizzas our mentor did it like once and then never really got in touch with us. And so I'm like, there was no support. And Mm. also I just didn't have like family checking in on me. I didn't have anyone checking in on me. And you're right. Like I just needed one person to be like, Hey, Julia, are you okay? Like, I remember I was sick. Oh, I got mono. I forgot I got mono. (laughs) (laughs) Forgot about that. Not a stereotype Um, at all. Yeah. But like, I was like in my door, I don't think I left my dorm for like 72 hours. And then I had to like crawl to like my doctor's appointment. So I was like, I think something's wrong with me. Like my tonsils were so swollen. Like I couldn't swallow. It was bad, but like no one noticing you leave your, you you haven't left your room in like 72 hours. It's just like, it's really hard. And so I think if anyone had just seen me and been like, Jolie, I think you're depressed. Jolie, I think, I think like you need 
help support. You need some, like I need, I actually, it hurts to admit because I think of myself as like a really strong person, but like, I genuinely think I needed someone to like meet with me every week and be like, Hey, what are your assignments for this week? What classes do you have to go to? Like check in with me, make sure you're going to your classes. I suspect I probably had undiagnosed ADHD, which probably could also have been a problem, but I, yeah. Yeah. I think I needed a lot more support than I was at all offered. Or and I think you also said about the financial pressure of it. And again, like, let's compare that to the other student, the majority of the other students there where that they don't have that hanging over their heads. A lot of them because their parents can afford it. Or even if they are getting out loans and that sort of thing, they're not worried because they've been conditioned to believe they're going to get you know, the jobs, they're going to do all of this. Whereas for you, it was very much more like, could I maybe, is this possible for someone like me? And, and that is a story that ripples through so many people's businesses, even now this, and I will say, I feel that, that kind of like, I'm not meant to be making this, how am I running a business that's making this kind of money? This was never on the cards for me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's so true because I didn't even think about it, but I think I think when I went in for my first year, I don't think I had visualized being there for a second year. Like, I don't think it had seemed possible that I could, because the loans I took out were just to cover my first year. I took out loans. My mom had to take out loans, which was a massive headache. And my dad had to take out loans. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I even like believed that I could take out more loans for my second year or ask my parents, but I never really thought about it. I never really thought, like asked myself, like, did you actually really see yourself going for another year? I don't, I, I don't think I actually did. I think it seemed so impossible. So let's drag, like bring this into now Yeah, and look at how, tell me the ways that you are more resourced for things going well now. I have more support for sure than I have ever had at any point in my life. I am mm-hmm. going to be 36 this year. And I, I seriously mean, I have never had as much support as I have. I actually have, I actually have a f- like friends in real life, not just friends who live on my phone and the friends who live on my phone are amazing and lovely, but the friends who I have in real life are like, Hey, Jolie, should we go for a walk? Like Jolie, mm. when's the last time you left the house? And, and that's invaluable. I have, you know, I worry a lot about, can I pay my bills? And what happens if I can't pay my bills? And I have a friend who's like, if you can't pay your bills, you will come sleep on my couch and we will figure it out. Mm-hmm. And as much as my brain's like, you can't sleep on someone else's couch. Like it's, a- it's like, okay, I have, I have an actual place to fall like yeah. a say a soft place to fall which mm. again I I just don't think I've ever had in my life how am I more resourced I apart from just having more support I have more experience under my belt it's it's funny because I have been having whenever I get stressed I don't know if you're listening to this let us know if you resonate whenever <laughs> I get stressed I go job searching about two in the morning what am I qualified to do mm-hmm. and let me tell you there's not a whole lot that I'm qualified to do that earns as much as my business earns yeah <laughs> so like I'm qualified to do like a lot of entry-level positions and that's fine but actually it's not going to pay my bills and so then I go down this spiral of like oh my god I'm 35 and I'm not qualified to do anything. I'm mm. like, but you're qualified to run your business. 
And like, you're so good at running your business that as much as I like, don't understand it as much as I am like, how, how have I made money this month? The, the fact is I have been self-employed since 2011 officially, pretty much my whole life. I never had a regular job um, that lasted longer than a year anyways, and never a full-time one. So I've been self-employed my whole life and my business hasn't paid my bills my whole life because I grew my business alongside raising my boys. But for the past good number of years, six maybe, it's paid my bills. And so I'm like, well, this is what I'm qualified to do. And like, as much as I don't believe it, as much as I don't understand it, as much as I'm so sure it's going to come crashing down Mm -hmm. next week, next month, two months from now, I don't know, but it's definitely going to come crashing down. Like the evidence says it's not because the evidence says like, somehow, Joel, you're actually quite good at being self-employed. Yeah. And I think what I would love for you to do is just so, for example, with the newsletter, as you're like looking at like, oh, I don't want to send it. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Like ask yourself, like, is am I avoiding? What am I avoiding here? Am I avoiding failure? Am I even scared of that failure? Really? Or is this an old situation I'm having? And just notice those things and purposefully gather the evidence to the contrary but in real time rather than like it's really like brilliant and I obviously encourage you to to, like look at the other stuff but if you can gather it in real time and go oh I just did that and it's it's okay I'm safe and then you literally might have to do it the next time and the next time but we all have these like these bits that we clamp down around that hold us back and it's often a, a shuffling slow process to rewrite them as at first that we're not going to die from them. <laughs> and then it takes a lot longer before they're into that safe space. So it's interesting with the newsletter because the, the thing is like, okay, what am I scared of? I'm not scared that no one's going to read it or that like, it will. Just, that's all, that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. It's like, okay, if I send this and then <laughs> it's like, people really like it. <laughs> it's like, oh, I will be flooded with compliments. <laughs> And then that will just like, ah, then I'll have to do something. I think that's Mm. like, it's like, ah, that's actually where I think I fall apart. So I do something and it gets an ounce of positive reception. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, I I have other things to do. (laughs) I love that. I've got other things to do. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's that like, ah, now people accept something now mm. now people have gotten into their head that I'm good at writing newsletters that I'm good at writing sales pages that I'm good at coaching so like well I just can't prove them wrong so I just won't do the thing because if I don't ever if I don't ever coach anyone then then no one's good at it right I am really good at it and I don't know with it like maybe you can tell me is it that you're scared you're not good at it is it that you're scared you're not perfect at it is it that you're scared you can't sustain it or something else like what is the bit there I'm scared of the time it doesn't go well so the failure again is it yeah it's really I see it is yeah in in a way that I don't ever think about it like I I guess my brain doesn't even want to frame it as failure because it, it that's it my brain doesn't see it as failure. My brain sees it as inevitable truth. Mm. So it's not failure. It's fact. Like mm. it's, it's just that 
every coaching session that I've done till now for the past two and a half years, I have somehow faked it and somehow like, it's just gone really well. But like, but because I'm, because I have low self-worth or just am waiting for the truth that I'm failure, like Mm. to come out that it doesn't feel like a failure just feels like does that make sense? It just, it just feels like being exposed. Like I'm waiting for the coaching mm. session that exposes me and that mm. then I'll have to reframe how I think about myself. Like it's, it's that thinking that I'm good at something is so fragile and still mm-hmm. so forming that it's, it's like, I have to protect it. I have yeah. to protect this belief that I'm good at coaching. And the only way I know how to protect that belief that I'm good at coaching is to not ever gather evidence that I'm not good at coaching. Yeah. And the way to do that is to not ever coach. So I wonder if we could, because I don't know if the perfectionism thing comes in particularly, but there does seem to be a, like, there doesn't seem to be much room for making yeah. a mistake. Yeah. So I wonder if you could work on reframing what it means to be a good coach. Because I don't think it means, and I don't think you really think it means either. I can see Jolie's like nodding, <laughs> like, no, yeah, I yeah. don't really. Like, I don't think it means never making a mistake. Like, we know so, Jolie will know this already, but part of coaching is sometimes offering out the wrong word. Like, that's part of the process. So Jolie might say something to me, and in fact, I can think where this happened in the last episode of these I did, where I said to the person, like, it sounds like you feel lonely. And they were like, no, I feel more isolated. Like, part of it is getting it a bit wrong so that the client can get it right. Yeah. So I know you know that it doesn't have to be this like perfect art. So I wonder like how that could expand your sense of this messy. And I don't think it's even useful to call it success. Like this, this, maybe we can completely just bin the idea of success and you're just moving into more of what you want to do. I think is what it is. Right. Right. Like I'm moving into believing that I'm good at things. Yeah. And that, and even, you know, tied in with like the whole success thing, right? Like I'm good at having money. Like I I don't believe I'm good at having money. I think Mm. I'm really wasteful with money that I make bad decisions with money. Of course I do. I spent $40,000 on a stupid year that like didn't add up to something, right? I'm still paying off my student loans. So yeah. So it's, it's self-worth that like, well, I, it's safe for me to have lots of money. I will be yeah. responsible for that. Yeah. It's safe for me to have success. I won't dynamite it at any at any moment. So it's like, it's that. And as I was saying it out loud to you, I was like, oh, this goes back to the whole, like I contain multitudes thing. Yeah. That, that, that so much. I, yeah. I can be a really good coach. Mm. And also I can have a client who like, doesn't like me say it again. (laughs) Yes, you can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can be a really good coach and have a session that doesn't go well. Yeah. Be a really good coach and have a client who's like, I actually feel like that was a waste of money. Yeah. I don't have to micromanage everyone's feelings and make sure that everyone feels really good. Cause that's Mm. the only way to like have my self-worth. If everyone else feels really good about me, then my self-worth is safe is a really crappy way to run a business. And I think it's a, an impossible way to run a business. I also think when you have that, you know, 
that kind of the big energy thing we were talking about it's a really unsafe space to be in because you are going to people are going to love you or not so much yeah I'm I'm, I'm not everyone loves Jolie I'm mainly talking no, about me no you're, <laughs> but you know what I mean like, I have had in in past businesses I have had people or past iterations of my business I've had people who didn't like me yeah who really made sure that I knew they didn't like yeah. me and and that was so hard to yeah. be like oh. and if your if your opinions are based on yourself are based on what their opinions are it can be a very strange place to be in because either you are the best thing or you are yeah. the worst yeah and it's why it's important for everybody but I think for the people who have that experience and you're some of you are going to be listening to this going like I don't know what she's talking about but the people that know you'll be like oh my god I really I really get that it's that like that's why it's so important that our sense of worth comes from us yeah because it it isn't like while it can be amazing when people are like you're amazing it can also a you can feel like but what did I do for that like why yeah. and it can feel like oh but I'm not amazing to them at all they really really but <laughs> they're not getting it yeah I'm laughing because I have I have written this Instagram post before <laughs> <laughs> That in order to stop caring about the criticism, you have to stop caring about the praise. Yeah. That you can't you can't be attached to either of those things because nope. they come kind of hand in hand. And you're absolutely right that that's the whole sense of success that I can control or failure that I can control is like feeling like I can control what other people think about me. But like, actually, I can't. And that's what terrifies me that on like a deep level, I, I know I can't. Yeah. control and make everyone happy yeah so it's just like well just be really really small because if you have like just two people who are looking at you I can probably <laughs> keep yeah. those two people happy but if you have like a thousand people looking at you I was watching a clip of a musician playing just like playing a concert and I got that feeling of like oh my god so many people are looking at her and it was like really interesting to be like I don't think I want success I don't want that many people looking at me but I can see it's because like yeah, because not everyone's looking at her thinking she's amazing. Not yeah. everyone looks at Taylor Swift and is like, she's yes. the greatest pop star, singer, Look at Damon Albarn. of all time. Damon Albarn did it just like last week, didn't he? Saying she didn't write her songs. Like, exactly. And she, God, she's experienced it enormously. And yes, I know, Jolie, that your feelings about her are enormous. Like, and, and that's it. It's, the, it's this thing of, and I do think when you have that unquantifiable something that people respond to it can be a very strange feeling and I don't actually think it's useful to completely I think you can trust that it exists but just I like to just let it be like I don't want to hide it anymore but I also I don't really want to question it I'm just gonna like let it be there yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense to stop sort of almost to stop sort of believing like there's a secret something about me that I don't know. Yes. And just being like, it's just is. It's just, just is. It, it just is. Yeah. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to like find the formula so I can keep repeating it. Yeah. I just need to actually just do my work. Yeah. Yeah. One foot in front of the other. It's there anyway. Everyone's seeing it. Like <laughs> everyone's seeing it and you're not. Like that's why you get those reactions. And I think I would like, I think you, oh my God, you've said so many important things today. Like, I hope you re-listen to this episode. But I think the fact that you've talked about, you know, that you can be, what did you say? You can be a good coach and someone can 
feel like their time with you was a waste of money and that does not make you not a good coach and equally you talked about being good with money or not good with money you can be good with money and make mistakes with money yeah with all of this stuff you can be successful and feel like a failure and you can be a failure and feel like a success (laughs) like it all is all over the place all the time yeah so thank you how are you feeling after we've talked about all of that stuff yeah I feel it's I did not think that those were the dots we were going to connect, but I feel really good. I feel like, okay, I have, I have more understanding than of this, like of the roots of this problem. And it's not like, oh, we have just, you know, ripped it up completely and it's fine, but it's like, okay, I have more understanding. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, like I can just relax a little bit right now and maybe just send my newsletter. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll be checking it. Have you sent it yet? Nice. Thank you so much. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah. So you can find me. The main place right now is Instagram. It's at Jolie Kelly. So that's J-O-E-L-I-K-E-L-L-Y. Thank you, Jolie. I hope you all really enjoyed this episode as much as I'm enjoying doing them. And I'll see you in the next one. Just before you go, if pricing leaves you feeling a bit sick, a bit weird, a bit uncomfortable, I have got the most amazing thing for you. If you pop to my website, pop to the show notes of this episode, you can sign up for my totally free resource. It's my pricing flowchart. And it will help you navigate not just the price you want to land on, but the sticky feelings that come along with it. Pop to the show notes, pop to my website, and you can sign up for your copy. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon.